Hello everyone, this is Captured by Christ. Now, I have to say, whatever belief you have about what the book of Revelation is ultimately showing you, what I'm about to say is not implicitly saying that if you have the incorrect view that you're not saved. But I do want to make the point clear that if you do currently hold an incorrect view of the end times primarily in foundational principles which we'll get into. If you just so happen to be alive when these events are taking place and you had believed that either they had already happened in the past or that it's simply metaphorical um anything separating from the true literal interpretation of not only what is to happen in the future but what is currently being set up now and we're going to get into why we need to take in all the information we can about church history and rely on the Lord to help you understand what points cannot reconcile with each other meaning vet out the false information and hold to the truth Because I'll go ahead and tell you, there are people in this world that are telling you, you the Christian, that you don't have to worry about the Antichrist. He has come and gone. We are here to show his glory, which I do agree with that. But not only that. But to bring about, if you will, build, <clears throat> excuse me, build the kingdom of Christ on earth. So when he comes again, everything is set up and he takes his place. That sounds wonderful um along with this kind of viewpoint comes a lot of messages that involve the majority of humanity if not all of them being saved 
and it sounds wonderful, and it sounds like the Jesus that we know. It sounds like the Jesus that died for us on the cross and came back to life to reveal himself as God. But the issue is not whether or not you proclaim that Jesus Christ is God. It's what is your understanding of that? Because if you have an incorrect understanding of that, you may not realize that you're actually saying the very opposite of what you think you're saying. Like it's easy for two people to face each other and claim the same sentence, Jesus is God. But both people have a different, distinct understanding of what that sentence means. That's very powerful. And I'm telling you guys, when it comes to the Bible in your hands, the Bible on your app, whatever, it's too obvious for Satan to change the words of Scripture. He has to change your understanding of that Scripture. Okay, so... To clarify this point, because God works, a lot of the times you'll see the same principles being used in totally different situations, but the same principles are being used. For example, just like it's more than just the words on the page, it's the understanding you have of his word. Is it from him or not? Um... The Roman Catholic Church, for years, and even still today, claim that they hold that true interpretation from God of his own words. And they even claim that they receive additional divine information to clarify the points they have already claimed to be true. And there's a reason why they couldn't have stated this understanding when they actually made the points. Because this is a development. This is a process for them. The wicked have to go through a process. The elect go through a journey. Okay, for many centuries, whenever someone would dare go against the church, they may have had a trial, they may have had, you know, an open discussion, but more times than not, anyone that stood in their way was immediately eradicated 
and most of the time it was simply through murder. The silence of their human words. And as you see, especially with the Inquisition, I mean, you had families hiding, literally hiding from this church, supposed church. Okay? And you know why they were hiding? Sure, they didn't want to die. They didn't want to go through pain and torture. Sure. But the reason why they were even being sought out was because they claimed that God is the only one that can truly give someone the understanding they need of what they know about his word. The, the only one that can explain his own words is the spirit of the one that's claiming those things. So, for example, all the information we take in, there's a certain trust that you must have in that information being truthful. KC, what you're starting to realize, if you hadn't noticed already, And I hate to say it, I see it more and more on a local level where it's like as if, if you're truly wicked, if you're truly a monster, then it was simply because you was intellectually foolish about scripture meaning you didn't know what the scripture said or you didn't read it or you know you was just <clears throat> excuse me talking off the cuff about something you've never read and that you know that apparently no one or nothing is capable of actually knowing what the scripture says and still rejecting it. Okay. Um, I hate to break the hearts of people. I really do. But to claim that there's nobody or nothing, a system... To, to claim that there's no such thing as someone knowing what scripture says 
and knowing the things that we are to believe in as Christians and not just having an unbelief about what's being said, but even worse, a hatred for what's being said. I'm just saying, um, it didn't take us very long in the whole grand scheme of things to go from pointing at the Pope, you're the Antichrist, to now when someone like me says that, I'm automatically looked at as crazy. We, we had to get to this point. Because it's not about everybody believing it. It's about the, the quantity of people believing it. Simply meaning, there were more people in comparison to today in the past that believed that the Roman Catholic Church was the Antichrist system, that they were the that they were the the false beast, which is the second beast, the false prophet. Because the second beast looks different and sounds different but it's no different than the actual beast that's controlled by the dragon. The first beast and the dragon look exactly the same, but the beast is the system that is modeled after the dragon, the image of the beast. Okay, so Jesus Christ is the image of God. Now we claim that we're created in the image of God, but the only way to truly understand how you're created in the image of God and how he is the image of God being uncreated is that he is God. But something happened. Something happened after the ascension of Jesus Christ. So we have Acts and we have the letters from Paul and Peter and John. And we have a couple of books written by brothers or half-brothers of Jesus Christ on earth. Um, what happened was, if you notice, because it says in Scripture, all the apostles 
except John was murdered by the Romans. Because even when you look and see that it was King Herod that had James killed. Okay. Um, king Herod was a little K king under the big K king, if you will. Caesar was a king of kings, the Roman emperor. Um, to give you a bigger picture of what this looked like. And it's a comparison because Esther is one of those books that's normally put to the side. Even though it's included in the canon. But I find it interesting how it describes Xerxes' power um, being... The leader of the Persian Empire. And. He was over. I believe it said 127 provinces. Meaning. Not necessarily that there was 127 different little kings. But. All these areas. Were controlled. By that one unit. Through. These little secondary units. The whole makeup we have today of federal, state, um, city, county, or county, then city, and then district. Well, district's probably in the middle somewhere. But the point is, this whole chain, you see, these layers of this fat onion is modeled after this same true imperial look that was around before Jesus Christ showed up. Because it wasn't too long after Jesus left the earth physically that The world suddenly began to change its image to where imperialism is supposedly dead. And anything that looks to be imperial is not imperial. So, for example, the Queen of England... She looks like a person that is to be served. Like that's the way they show themselves. And even though they do humanitarian acts in the open, I mean, all Satanists do that. But, that's a side note. The point is, they display that they have imperial power today. But they're in on the illusion as well that they have no power. That they're just there. Because they have the supposed right to be there. 
you know. And then with the Roman Catholic Church, you have the entity that looks to be the servant. Who's always looking for the best of everybody involved. Because what's good for the church is good for everybody, right? And so, of course, being that they give off the appearance of being a servant and not the one being served, that's another way of showing. See, imperialism is dead. It's okay. Everybody can come out now. We're not going to hurt you. We're not going to hurt you. We, we've tried all we could. We, we, we're not out to hurt you. No more. No more. We're, we're going to give you everything that looks different from what you have now. That's basically what happened. And it didn't just happen so simply as all the leaders of the world met up and decided on this. But what essentially happened was after Jesus Christ comes out of the grave, the people that saw him, which you're told was 500 plus, um, you know, word, word spreads pretty quick the more people you directly give it to. And, um, and honestly, now that I think about it, I really want to look it up. Um, I might look it up here in just a minute, but I think the mention of the 500 that saw him, I think that was just at one time. Like, that's not the total of the people that actually saw him. But the, the point, the point of it is, Word travels fast. So if the empire and the Jews that were involved are seeing that apparently more and more people are just bent, like they're not budging, that this man that we put to death for supposed treason, which was not treason, basically they put him to death because, I mean, you don't have to claim to be God to be God. But that's exactly what they put him on the cross for. If you didn't catch it. That's why the Jews were so upset with Pilate. Who was a governor under the Caesar. Notice Caesar's not there. During this. So he's not seeing what's going on. And I mean at least to our knowledge. You know we're, we're kind of. Given an image of what the world looked like back then. Um, it was probably. 
all I'm saying is don't be surprised if it was far different and far more advanced than what's portrayed in films and such. Because if you see, if you look, you know, as you're reading through the scripture, if you pay attention, there's no real um, descriptions of things that would indicate that you could go one way or the other on how the world looked. Because the thing to focus on is the people involved and more importantly, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, at work. Christ within us. Christ within himself. Jesus. The one God outside of time predetermining himself to be the Son of God and the judge of heaven and earth, the king of heaven and earth. But basically, if you look at the world today, the closest form of imperialism you truly see would be China or North Korea. Some people may even look at Russia, even though Russia is not technically communist. But basically, your communism or and or totalitarianism is supposedly the worst form but not as worse as imperialism like here you go here's the product we give you is this any better than what we gave you before no it's not and that's just like here we it is funny how we have the highest rate of PTSD in the world. In the world. Do you not think that maybe, just maybe, that's because we're the most manipulated out of everybody else? that we may consume a little too much false information than others. Because the consequence, because there are benefits, true benefits that the Lord uses as well for us through these advancements in technology, but also there comes a consequence where you could go the totally opposite route. And you have to start thinking about, for example, if the U.S. government really had our best interest in mind, if they really followed we the people, as we understand it to be, then they wouldn't be 
proclaiming that they are the people. Because that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to take the things that you love the most and use them against you. And the best way to do this is to create problems to provide solutions that only create more problems to get to your ultimate solution or what you feel is your ultimate solution that you need to get to to solve your problem. What is the supposed problem of the world right now? Climate change. So the main the main basis of climate change, global warming, global cooling, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what you call it. There's something else being said to you. The basis for the supposed climate change that is supposedly destroying the earth as we know it right now through natural causes. is carbon dioxide. We breathe out carbon dioxide. So catch this now. You already have a country in China that has a one-child policy or a limited child policy, if you will. And it's because the government holds to the same religion, if you will, as all the countries in the world. The climate is changing and we need to adapt. Now, what's funny is the ones that are claiming this are essentially claiming as well that they have already adapted and they're teaching us how to be like them. Think about this for a second. Because look, if you turn off the power grid, if you turn off everything, let's just say it happened like that. You just turn off everything. You're just left with what you have. With uh, what you have. Do you not think that maybe, just maybe? They're not going to stop saying that the climate is changing. We need to adapt. 
let's think about this for a moment. Let's say you're trying to accomplish your lifelong goal. And you're like 20 years into this. But then you see something that happens. And it changes the direction of where you go in life. Or you see it and you're shocked by it. And you don't know how to respond to it. Because you wasn't prepared. So what I'm essentially saying is. They are creating this supposed climate change. Through the policies that they establish. And the other governments fall in line. And this has been a gradual process to where when we, to where the more advanced technology is, you know, we're supposed to be catching on more and more. And certain people are. But the reason why the majority of people are getting worse and worse and not seeing the evil being done Is because they've been manipulated into believing that God can't work in them unless you're like them. Unless you follow them. Unless you think and believe like them. If carbon dioxide is the reason for climate change. They are telling you the best solution is to get rid of you. They're more open about this now. Not the actual people that are involved, but, for instance, the United Nations. Again, all because it's called the United Nations doesn't mean it's not an empire. All because it's called the United Nations doesn't mean that it's not the Roman Empire. All because it's the United Nations. Doesn't mean that it's not the very catalyst, the very skeleton, or better yet, flesh suit. That if anything, Satan himself enters. Because think about this for a moment. Because this is real stuff. 
the apostles that were being murdered, and it speaks in Scripture on how they were murdered, all the different ways. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, that even if they turned away from Christ in that moment, actually believing that they were going to save their life through it, Do you not think that they would have killed them anyway? Of course they would have. Because just like Satan is a liar and a deceiver, and he wants to gather you to himself, he only wants to gather you to himself so he can kill you. Not to give you life. He wants you to have the same fate that he knows he will have. Because he knows just as every Christian should know. That if you are supposed to be a child of God. Then you should, then you should have no limits to what you can do in this life because you believe that Christ is working through you all throughout your life. With Satan, he knows his fate. He knows where he's going. So kind of like the um, phrase that was around when I went to middle school and high school, YOLO, you know, you only live once, who do you think came up with that one, okay, he lives that motto like no other, And we've, and I hate saying it like this, but this, I mean, this includes me as well. We've been conditioned to visualize Satan as something inferior physically to us. Because see, here's the thing when it comes to free will. Because if free will is the case, then Satan himself is the ultimate. Because remember, Jesus himself said, I do nothing of myself, but of the Father. The words that I speak to you are the Father's words. They're not my words. Okay, so Satan's lies, Satan's actions, they're not from anyone else. Everything is predetermined by God, but that's why he came into the world the way he did, because it separates that reality from the lie where you're basically just left here 
with your free will, do the best you can, where ultimately everyone is under Satan. A.K.A. the world empire. And as we're about to see, the one that claims to be the current kingdom of Christ on earth. The mysterious kingdom of Christ on earth, mind you. Let's check this out. So, I grabbed a bunch of quotations. One of my favorite books ever is the Catholic Catechism. And you'll see why here in just a minute. So, in part one, section two, chapter three, article nine point seven sixty three in their catechism, and I quote. It was the Son's task to accomplish the Father's plan of salvation in the fullness of time. Its accomplishment was the reason for His being sent. And then they put in quotations, The Lord Jesus inaugurated His church by preaching the good news. That is the coming of the reign of God. Promised over the ages in the scriptures to fulfill the Father's will. Christ ushered in the kingdom of heaven on earth. And they literally put this sentence. The church, meaning them, is the reign of Christ already present on the earth in mystery. So according to them, not me, they are claiming to be right now. Ever since their emergence. That they are the kingdom of Christ on the earth. The vicar of Christ on earth. Is claiming. To be in the position. Of the king of this kingdom. Do you not see what's going on here? Ask yourself this. Is Jesus the king of heaven and earth? Or is Jesus the king of heaven and earth but currently is in need to be physically Represented. By someone. Until his second coming. Which one is it? Because history. Is going to point you in one direction or the other. And. The majority of Protestants don't understand. They have no right to claim Protestantism anymore. Because they don't claim that 
the Roman Catholic Church is not the original church of the apostles. We're going to see in a moment how they've gotten away with claiming this and still being around. We're going to see this. So they themselves say that the Lord made Simon alone, who's Peter, the rock of his church, and that he gave him the keys of his church and instituted him the shepherd of the whole flock. Notice what they are saying. Because I'm telling you, the Lord did not say any of this. This is what they're claiming the scripture said, that this said, that it said, that he said. But they are saying that the Lord basically was saying that when he leaves the earth, all the authority and all the attributes of Jesus Christ belonged to Peter after he left. And they do acknowledge that in Matthew 18, 18, the keys are actually given also to the other apostles. And we know that Judas did not have those keys. However, it is ironic who most likely fulfills the role of the Judas priest. Hmm. Let's continue here. So they're claiming that the keys of his church are given to Peter. What's the keys to his church? It's the word of God. The office of binding and loosing, which was given to Peter, was also assigned to the College of Apostles, united to his head. There was no College of Apostles in the scripture. But they are going to claim to you that there were people that came after them that were taught by them. And it's sort of like the game where you whisper in the ear of your friend, your other friend whispers in the ear of the other friend, and then so on and so on. And then when you get to the end, you ask what was said, and it's completely different from what was given. And basically, they're just doing this on purpose. And they're claiming basically, you know, like they're, they're purposely trying to make the Word of God seem meaningless. Because if they truly descended from the apostles, then the gates of hell has truly prevailed over the true church in the spiritual sense. And 
they should feel guilty about it and just go back to be in the Roman Empire. Like, you worthless pagans. And I feel bad for the Roman Catholics because they love Jesus Christ, but they don't understand that everything in Roman Catholicism is false and it's on purpose. And when the Lord is saying, come out of her, my people, I truly, I truly pray that for the Roman Catholic that might be listening to this, that it's you that he's talking to. Because his people are not in there. And if they are in there, they are very few and far between. And it's simply because they have not openly proclaimed that they have truly been or that they are truly different from what they were before. But the office of binding and loosing, if you're wondering what binding and loosing means, um, it means the sins. So, the keys of his church... Whatever sins you bind here on earth, they're bound. Whatever sins you loose here on earth, they're loose. Now, when you see that in Scripture, you must understand. Is he giving Peter this superpower to forgive sins? Because that's what this is talking about. The forgiveness of sins. The remission of sins. Because remember, Christ's death and resurrection, done deal. The If your sins were forgiven, they are forgiven in full. If your sins weren't forgiven, they will never be forgiven, no matter how hard you try. I know that sounds weird, but that's a reality. We've been conditioned to believe in something different than that. Again, we'll claim the words on the page. It is finished. It is finished. But in what way? Oh, in me. I'm holy. I'm regenerated. I still sin. Okay. How are you holy? Well, it's just different. I have a changeable nature. I think you've been told something by people that may claim to be these things themselves and they don't really love Jesus. And it's been passed down through generations where it's now more sophisticated and you have to dig deeper to find it because some of the best people you'll meet, the most loving and the most genuine Christians believe in certain doctrines like regeneration where they literally believe because Christ forgave all our sins in full that the sin is no longer within us even though we still do it 
that we've been given our new birth already. And yet we only reveal ourselves to not be made new. And we have to be really careful with these types of things and understand the sophisticatedness of why people want to attack the Word of God and why they have to try so hard to do it. But basically, the office of forgiving sins was supposedly given to Peter and the other apostles. This is also why they pray to them. And number one, who you pray to is who you worship. Because it's gotten to the point now. I mean, one, one day I may be able to show you on a video or something, like a live chat, and just simply ask or simply tell a Roman Catholic that's very knowledgeable of their own belief system that praying to someone else other than Jesus Christ is worshiping someone else other than Jesus Christ. And you'll know what they'll tell me in response. I guarantee you this. You know you know what they'll tell me in response? Don't we pray for people? Don't we pray with people? Do you see how, like, you have to get to this point? Because common sense alone, even if you knew nothing about prayer, if you knew nothing about Jesus, just the simple fact, doing something to someone, or in this case, giving something to someone is different from giving something to someone else who can truly give something to that someone else that you can't give. Which is why we prayed to Jesus. We prayed to the Father to, to do the thing that we can't do in their life. Primarily, we can't change people. We can only pray that they change in whatever area. And that alone can be detrimental but only if you believe that they're the ones that need to be changed, but you're actually the one that needs to be changed. That's where that could be a problem. So you have to establish that first. But anywho, so there was no college of apostles. That's not true. And notice it says the college of apostles united to its head. So they're claiming the head of the church 
which if you didn't catch, is the College of Apostles. The original church is the Apostles. Okay? They're claiming. The College of Apostles, that is the church. His church, meaning Christ's church, is united to its head. But who's its head? Peter. Because he's supposed to be the one that you can go to and have full assurance that you are talking to God. Right? <clears throat> of course not. Guys, read John 14. Put aside your previous beliefs and just go read John 14 carefully. And ask yourself, when Jesus asked in response to a question that was, well, actually a statement that was being given to him. I believe it was by Philip. So Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And he said, have I been with you so long, Philip, that you've not known me? How on earth can you ask me or tell me, show you the Father? I mean, you're looking right at him. And we don't stop to think on how those people got to the mental and spiritual position they were in to not immediately see the obvious that was standing right in front of them. That's what's happening today. Now check this out. We've already seen that they they just claimed that the church is the reign of Christ already present in mystery. So Jesus Christ reign right now. Very true. Uh the revelation of his kingdom where we'll actually see it with our eyes has not happened yet, but will be revealed. So, you see the difference between, so we see the difference between, let's say, the post-millennial view, where we as Christians are bringing about or building up the the kingdom of Christ here for him to come down and take his throne. Um, that's contradictory 
for both parties, both on the truth and the ultimate falsehood. So, with the ultimate falsehood, they're already claiming they're here. They're more or less claiming, we're here, we just have a mask on. Where the post mill, who, you know, it's, it's primarily, I have to say primarily, a Protestant viewpoint. But they're claiming that his kingdom on earth is not here yet. But that he's reigning from heaven. And so we have to build his kingdom here, and then he will come. And the only way that this works, because it doesn't work, but the only way that this could work is if the Antichrist has come and gone. Because there's nothing standing in the way of the Christian supposedly fulfilling their supposed duty of building the church of God on earth. Or kingdom of God on earth. Now, I gotta ask you something. How can you be a mysterious kingdom? but yet supposedly have a non-mysterious point of origin, like pointing at Matthew 16, 18. This is the start of our church. This is where Jesus established this. This is why we exist. Why do you still claim to be in mystery? Because we're looking right at you, right? Right? So, hold that thought. Any kingdom or company should be able to establish the reason for their existence. Okay? If you haven't caught on yet, someone is lying. It's not just simply... Oh, I didn't know. No, you did know. And you were very, very bad. Weren't you, you little devil? Like someone is lying somewhere about the Bible you hold in your hands. The Bible that you claim that you actually read and study. without having any prescriptions to help you visualize it or hear it any better. Catch what I'm saying to you. Drop your prescriptions. Go straight for Christ. You don't need anything to enable him to give you anything. Because there's nothing you can do for him. There's nothing you can do to him. 
but he has the ability, the authority. He has every reason to do anything he wants to do. To where even the faith we're supposed to have is not conjured up from ourselves. It's personally from him. The fear of him is personally from him. That's not conjured up in ourselves as well. So is it about proving anything to the world about your relationship with God? No, sir, it's not. It's about revealing to the world that you are of God. And the only way you do that is if you allow God to speak through you. If you allow Christ to live through you. So, if you claim that you can point out your biblical origin, but yet you still claim to only exist in mystery, then that means you have fabricated the very reason for your existence. Meaning, automatically, the point that you point to, which in, this, in their case, Matthew 16, 18, that that truthful verse has nothing to do with the lie you just said. But it has everything to do with it. Because without it, they could not have lied about it. It's not a fabrication because they have no biblical origin. It's a fabrication because they have a biblical origin, but they have to keep you away from it. Meaning there is a reason why they're here. And there's not only a reason why they're here from themselves. And not only is there a reason that has been given to us from them on why they're here. But what is God's reason for having them here? They're going to tell you the reason. But that's the thing. When it comes to the word of God. It's only Jesus Christ who you can truly trust 100%. Because even if you can put 100% trust in someone that genuinely seeks your welfare, there still may be something that they're missing. And it can be very dangerous. Because you don't start to see the true spiritual warfare as it is, and you know, unless you just consistently stay with the Lord, stay in the Word, stay vigilant. Don't put anything 
back in the past that you have no evidence that was just left there. We're given many different types of leaders that had the same structure of empires. And they were all types for the Antichrist. And the popular view coming out. That's within Protestantism. That's going to be within your churches more and more. Is that you don't have to worry about your enemy. He's bound. He's gone. He's not going to hurt you. Sure, there's persecution of Christians. Sure, there's people being deceived. Sure, there's people sinning everywhere. Sure, there's all sorts of crime rates going up. And sure, you know, there's all this evil in the world. Sure. But it's, it's like it's not actually there. Right? Right? I think not. Now, we see in the Roman Catholic Encyclopedia this thing called Apostolic Succession. Remember, they're claiming that they started with Peter. Jesus Christ founded the church upon Peter. That's what they're claiming. And what's funny is they also have to claim the truth that it's actually based upon Peter's confession that Jesus Christ is the Lord. I mean, Jesus Christ is the actual head of the church. Jesus Christ is the actual foundation of the church. But they change this by saying something different without recanting what they had originally said before. Okay? Now, they claim, now the Roman pontiffs, which are the popes, come immediately after, occupy the position, and perform the functions of Peter. They are therefore his successors. And check this out. This is in the Roman Catholic Encyclopedia. Now, this same church claims that anything that's in their catechism, anything that the magisterium declares as holy, that it must be believed, believed upon in order to be a Roman Catholic. And the reason for this is because, according to them, if you're not a Roman Catholic, you are eternally damned. But notice what they're saying here. We must prove. Why, why do you have to prove it? Who said you had to prove anything? Either I know that you're lying, or I have come to realize, or I know that you're telling the truth. It's one or the other, buddy. Because even for the atheists, I have to ask, 
because the majority of them believe that this system created primarily the New Testament, but as a whole holds the the truth about the Bible being that it's fabricated work, according to them, the atheist. And that's who they usually point to, along with the Jews, of the corruption that has happened under the name of Jesus Christ. Like that song, Killing in the Name of, is a hard rock song. But man, is it not true. It is true. They're not going to kill in their name. But they'll kill in the name of Christ. Because their, their main goal is to get rid of him, people that love him, and his word. And they can't do it in that order. Because they tried. They tried simply to get rid of Jesus. And Jesus is like, you fool. Like, get this now. Pilate put a sign over his head that said, King of the Jews. In fact, I believe it said Jesus. King of the Jews. So, like, that's even more emphasis on why we need to identify Jesus as our God and why we need to truly know the name of our God. But the Jews were really upset with Pilate for doing this, and they wanted him to take it down and to change it to where... It would say that Jesus was simply claiming this to assert or insist that it wasn't true. But Pilate, instead of joining in with him at the time, he left it written. And what happened? That was a fulfillment of prophecy he just did. Unknowingly. Okay, somewhere along the way, the Jews and the Romans did not switch positions. They simply teamed up. Talking about the bad Jews, not the Jews in Christ. Talking about the ones who truly hate Christ, not just no belief in them. Like they know he exists and they hate him and openly proclaim it and openly proclaim it through the sacrifices they still perform and rituals and the deception is great because the majority of Christianity claims we have to support the nation of Israel when we know the truth that Israel is supposed to be in the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem that's inside of the nation of Israel is not the city of God. 
if you have not caught on yet. That is going to be the city of the Antichrist. Okay. Because notice this. This is very simple when, when you think about it. Jerusalem and the heavenly Jerusalem. Okay. The heavenly Jerusalem. Check this out. The heavenly Jerusalem has a group of people that are inside of it who are the people of God and they are called Israel. All right, that's the scripture. Okay, the world is telling you that the city of God, Jerusalem, is inside of the nation of Israel. So they're claiming that God, where he dwells, is within them not you the Christian because notice the Jews had the nation of Israel Jerusalem is in Israel Jerusalem where um, in Jerusalem you know Islam is based upon Ishmael And then in turn, Esau and etc., which is why they get affiliated with the Antichrist all the time. But the point is, there's a Muslim mosque, Muslim authority in there. It's inside of Israel. But a lot of people don't understand the city of Jerusalem, on paper, belongs to the Roman Catholic Church. They preserved the right to it. And during the Knights Templar days, which was an order specifically created by the Roman Catholic Church, um, the, the head of the Knights Templar, was often referred to symbolically as the king of Jerusalem. Where even today, go look it up. There is a supposed king of Jerusalem. Because see, we've been, again, we've been conditioned including myself, to originally look at these titles as honorary. Because if you notice, a lot of times people will see it and then they might be like, oh man, that's epic. But then someone will explain to them in a more 
detailed or articulate way how it's not as bad as it sounds. And then they're right back to, you know, that they're in the game. You know, it's like, it's like you you just been caught with your pants down. Now get back in the game. You got to get out of the game. The matrix, if you will. The delusion. Now. So, since they're claiming that the apostles started their church and that they are the successors of the apostles, they are claiming to be apostles. Now, we cannot claim to be apostles. The only way that we can claim to be apostles is that we can claim to be apostles after we have been made new and see the Lord Jesus. Now, the apostles that we know of they weren't made new yet. But also, there's a lot about the apostles that has been perverted. Um, primarily, people don't originally see this, but when it comes to the 12 tribes of Israel described in Scripture, you have to distinguish between the tribes of Israel that are mentioned in the heavenly or in the uh, new heaven and new earth and the actual physical tribes that were revealing themselves here on earth. For example, you'll actually see in scripture in the Old Testament there was 14 physical tribes of Israel. Alright. If you go look in the New Testament, all the New Testament, you're told about the 12 that Jesus picked. But remember, one of those 12 was never truly chosen. The purpose that he chose him for was for the betrayal. So he didn't choose him for salvation. So, to be perfectly honest, he never chose him to be an apostle. But of course, the people around him don't understand that. Because they didn't know that he was going to betray him until it happened. Even though Jesus hinted at it many times. Whenever he would mention Judas. While Judas is even in the room staring right in front of him. It would just go, whoop. But, if you're claiming to be an apostle, you're claiming to have direct contact with Jesus himself, who is God. So, Here's what's happening. They're having to claim the truth in order to keep the lie going. 
okay? Because they're not really the successors of the apostles. I'm going to go ahead and spoil that one real quick, if it hadn't already been spoiled milk before. But they're claiming to have direct contact with God himself. And that's why the understanding of the scripture is different, vastly different between, let's say, any of us right now and them. Vastly different. But that's the point. One of them is claiming they don't even have to try to get the proper understanding. They are giving it. You have been trying and failing. Come to your mother. They call themselves Mother Church, by the way. You know, come out of her, my people. Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them go. You are better off letting them go. Because you are not superior to my God and you will be destroyed if you don't do it. Even if you do do it. You know, like, I would love to tell the Pope today. Don't humble yourself because you believe it's the right thing to do. Humble yourself because you know that Jesus is greater. And humble yourself to the fact that you are in the same boat as everybody else. Because, I mean, they're claiming if we're not one of them, we're damned. Because they're basically claiming if you reject them, you're rejecting God himself. Which is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. And the Roman Empire was doing it, but they were doing it in a different way. Because they didn't understand that their they didn't understand that their empire had been defeated before it started. Whereas with the Pharisees, they it was like as if the Lord purposefully showed them in one swoop that their idea of who God is is just completely dismantled like the imagery of the golden bull. Like just imagine Jesus just breaking in the pieces and calling it out. You know, like, hey, you know, you talk to these idols, I sure can too. I'm going to tell them how worthless they are. What should I tell you? That's the thing, we really have to be careful of what we say because 
Jesus is far more personal than what we've ever been able to articulate to others. Because it's hard. It's really hard to get really far down into the reality of things with a growing Christian person. Because there's a lot of things that you have to accept along with believing. Like, there's so many people that make God as illogical as possible to make their belief sound plausible. We should never be able to run out of energy. We should never be able to run out of answers. But, excuse me, but the only way that you don't have any answers is if you don't ask any questions. Because it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Even if we only had the book of Jude, and that was supposedly the only book we could have or the only book we could find, the Lord can work and save someone through their reading of it. Because that's why the scriptures work. Because it's all written by the same author. Because what you're seeing is not what it is. And atheists, unfortunately, take that to a different direction. It's not that. It's you're looking at physical people like you writing. But you can't think about it in the sense of they were given certain powers to do certain things and explain certain things that only God can explain. God himself was working through these people simply out of his grace because he wanted to. To deliver a message that can cross generations and that no matter the quantity of what you have and no matter the lack of quantity you can still know enough from what he's revealed to see him. But the understanding must be given by him nonetheless. I hope that makes sense. Now, so I'm going to show you how the Antichrist works is very obvious. So I, if you don't already know, I, I am an apologetic, meaning I don't just tell you what I think. I tell you what I can confirm as truth from the scripture. Because 
it's not hard to debate an atheist. But all atheists have different directions where their own beliefs go. And they have beliefs, but they claim to have none, which is the first problem of trying to debate with them. When it comes to atheists, you must first be a theologian in hopes that they will get fired up enough to debate you or turn completely. Now, it's too obvious, like I said earlier, to take away or make additions to scripture in an explicit manner, meaning erasing and adding. Or adding and erasing. So it's going to take deception through implicity to have others believe the claims that you're already claiming are true. And you give them references because you don't want them to look at everything. You just want them to look at the things that you want them to look at to show where this belief is true. Okay? And the only way that this can work is if you deceive them on the understanding of the verses prior to them reading and, and truly absorbing what the verses mean. So basically it's like, um, it's basically like a race. So, you know, not only do you have to get into the scripture real quick and read it, you, you, you have to understand it correctly. You know, so, Basically, you're going up against a system that claims for a fact, not by faith, but for a fact that they have the perfect, infallible interpretation of Scripture. And the majority of people accept the claim, even when they don't believe it. They just accept it, like they don't look at it as threatening. And they do a very good job of not looking threatening. Just like they do a very good job of being served while appearing to be the servant. For example, I just did a debate on Mary. Now, there's four beliefs about Mary, and if you don't believe them, if you don't believe all of them, you're not a Roman Catholic, and if you're not a Roman Catholic, you are eternally damned. So even if you don't believe them truly in your heart, you still have to put down on paper that you do, basically. But in order to get people to buy into this, you have to deceive them in it. Whether it be th through intimidation tactics, 
of power from the regalia and the plunder and the magnitude of the supposed kingdom of Christ on earth. I mean, how can you turn down that? I'm starting to hear a certain question from scripture pop up. Who is like unto the beast and who can make war with it? I think it'd be the one they're trying to imitate, huh? Now, you must believe, as a Roman Catholic, that Mary was assumed in the heaven, just like Enoch and Elijah were. And what's funny is they still claim that she physically died, because they have to, because she did. But they're still going to make these claims. Now, she was a virgin her entire life. Matthew one twenty four and 25. All right. Just go read it. You tell me where she was taken by Joseph. Because I'm going to ask you that nonsensical question for a reason. Just go ask yourself. Like, where did Joseph take Mary in Matthew one twenty four, And how did they not know each other mentally prior to, or actually after having Jesus Christ? I mean, just ask, just ask yourself those questions. Just go look up what they're saying. Um, they also claim... They have to believe that she is eternally the mother of God by being the human mother of Jesus Christ. Where basically without her, you don't have him. I wonder what they're really trying to tell you. Here's the main one I want to use for the example. She must be believed... To be born immaculately. Meaning. That she is sinless. No matter what she does now. They call this preeminent grace. Or preventive grace. Or prevenient grace. Meaning they're claiming before Mary came into the world, Jesus already saved her. Do you now already see a problem? So they're claiming that she was born sinless. They're going to keep yelling in your ear. She never sinned. She never sinned. She never sinned. She never sinned. You don't have very much information. But out of all the information you have, do you really believe that she didn't sin? Hmm. Let's look. We see that in order to prove these dogmas as fact, we must have the proper source where the evidence is concrete, whether it be for or against the already proclaimed truth. And if you hadn't noticed yet, if you can refute any of these four prescriptions, viewpoints, 
then all of them go where it goes. So if you refute one of them, they all fall. If you can't refute any of them, they all stand. There's no in-between. And with that, it either stands in its supposed glory, or it goes to destruction where sin must be. It must be thrown in there. So let's show if the belief in her immaculate nature is true, as they have already claimed. Now, this is paraphrasing, because I could take this one paragraph I'm about to read that I typed out to kind of help me guide you into this, because this is a very deep topic. But this is a paraphrase where you can go check in Scripture all these points I'm about to make. And you're going to see where this system goes wrong. And even if you don't see all of them, you'll see where if one falls, the chances of all of them falling are very high. Now, check this out. So to be immaculate is to be holy. Okay? She's sinless. So to be immaculate is to be holy. By being holy is to be unstained from sin. To be unstained from sin is to be sinless. To be sinless is to be not under Adam as one born in sin. To not be born in sin is to be born of God. To be born of God is to be eternal. To be eternal is to be where God is outside of time itself. To be outside of time itself is to be with God prior to creation. So, this is what they are claiming. Now, when you go read the words that they use, they don't use all these things, but they do. And that's the thing. Is your understanding good? You need to find out. Okay? Remember what I said earlier. Whoever you pray to is who you worship. If you're claiming, and this is for the Roman Catholic, if you're claiming that Mary existed with God prior to creation, and she is the supposed mother of God, then what can you possibly be claiming when you say this? If you claim that God has a mother, then you're claiming that the mother is over God, meaning she is the God 
of God. Because how can she not be God if he is God, mean Jesus? Like you can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to these Marian dogmas and wanting to believe in them. It's great to, you know, respect Mary, just like it's great to respect anybody. But you're not to give her more honor than what she is due, because we're not due any honor. The only person due any honor is Jesus himself, because he works through all three persons of the Trinity. Where today, the understanding of the Trinity is skewed. That's exactly what happened here. Because I could go on all day and we're going to do more episodes and more examples of this. But ask some deep questions to your pastor. Go ask them. Because on one hand, they need to be held accountable. But on another hand, you very well may be sharing something with them that they sort of believed in their heart, but they didn't want to say it emphatically being that they, you know, you don't want to get it wrong. You know, like we have to get back to where it's okay if you do get it wrong, but only on the things that it's okay to not be right. Like we've sort of made that a meaningless thing to go towards I guess you can say where it really don't matter how many bad points you have just as long as you believe Jesus is God even if you even if it means you separate him from two thirds 66.6% of the Godhead is just like the Roman Empire except it's invisible uh, you may worship Jesus as your God but when I knock at your door, you best kiss the ring. Because I'm your God. See, I look just like him, don't I? See, they can't use intimidation anymore. They still do it in a sense, yes, but not like they did before. They're playing the role of your friend. And that's why more and more, the closer we get to the return of Christ, you're going to start to see the Protestant become more and more and more Roman Catholic by the year. Over and over, increasing, increasing, increasing. There's a brother in Christ that I'm talking to right now, locally, 
who not only believes that the Antichrist has come and gone, but on top of this, he believes that we actually did come from the Roman Catholic Church. And I wonder why he would believe this. Because we've been manipulated into believing it. It sort of starts off for most as, well, they're claiming to be Christian, but they're not claiming to be Christian at the same time, but they are proclaiming Jesus, so why should I complain, right? Again, the Antichrist is not just some ruthless ruler who hates Christians. This is a character that has to be developed over time because this same character that's coming was completely destroyed by Jesus Christ. And he didn't do, like he didn't even lay a finger on him. If anything, all the fingers were laid on Christ and it meant nothing. Christ still destroyed the Roman Empire. He still killed Caesar in the sense of the image of the beast. He tore that thing to pieces. And gradually over the years, they have been trying to put it back together. And it will come back together. But remember, it was already broken. Whatever's holding together the pieces of the empire that they're trying to put back together through the governments of the world, which we'll get into in another episode on how they infiltrate governments and infiltrate Protestantism as a whole and are the source of of the majority of the false religions you see, including Islam. All in an attempt to bring back something that they believe should be here. But Jesus says, Nah, I think I'm going to do something far worse than what you could ever do to my people. Even to the point where I'm going to tell where I have told my people to go and shut the door while the wrath of God is being released. Woe to people that long for the day of the Lord. I cannot stress this enough. Day by day by day, end times viewpoints. What's your viewpoint of the Antichrist? When's the second coming? Um, what events take place beforehand? These things are only secondary until it's too late for it to be secondary.
and we are getting close. It could still be 10 or 20 years down the road. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. But to really believe that I would be born in this generation not to say anything, and on top of that, have more information at my disposal by the grace of God to expose the empire? I mean, the Lord literally does the work for you. All you got to do is rely on him. He's going to build the fire within you, trust me. You're not going to have to conjure up this fake longing for Christ. Where you keep expecting something in return. Like, I just want to be loved. Then believe that you're loved. Job lost everything. God claimed he did it. Job still loved him. Lot loved God. God turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt. Lot still loved the Lord. Like, catch this. Like, think about this. Because th this is another thing about Scripture that I feel like a lot of people have been manipulated on. They only apply certain parts of the text to their own lives. No, sir. All of it is for you, if you believe it at all. Okay? If your wife... Shoot, if your wife's not enough... Throw your wife, your kids, your house, everything, everything. And God had told everyone and everything that was behind you, do not look back or you're done. And they were all turned to salt. Will you keep walking? You better. Guys, do the will of God. Truly allow him. Truly allow him to do you well. Guys, we're going to get into some deep information over the next few weeks. And I'm telling you, as bad as it sounds, as bad of a reality it seems to be to possibly face death for Jesus Christ, I got to tell you, there's no greater honor in the world than to be able to have a God be within you 
for no other reason except his own and be able to expose a near 2,000 year old empire simply with a compilation of written text. For the people that are listening that know me or think they do, that I just woke up and conjured this up. I hope you listen to the whole thing. And uh, I know in your heart you don't believe the same anymore. But I love everyone. I love every single person in this world. But ask yourself a true question. Does the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I'm telling you, if you say yes, I mean, you're going to have to accept all the ramifications on what that absolutely has to mean. And be able to defend it. And I'm trying to save you the trouble. You're only going to be shown naked on that topic. And I'm just saying there's only so many times that you can show yourself naked before it gets to the point where you simply just don't want to be clothed. And I hope... This helps. Um, This actually helps me a lot. I love speaking to people. Um, I primarily love writing about Jesus Christ and his word. But I love each and every single one of you. And I pray that not only you ponder on this, but that just ponder on his word alone. Ask the Lord to... Not completely remove, but to, for a time, empty your mind of everything but Him. And pray to Him that He will give you the right understanding of His own words and truly reveal to you. That not only is his revealed word personally for you, but that it's because simply he unconditionally loves you. God bless. Bye-bye.